This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to Through the Nets. It is season two finale, episode 10. Um, I am Lakita the Coach Gantz, and I am the mother of Robert Davis Jr. And I am Bay Bush, the mom of the Sea Crew. We are missing our ladies, uh, Miss Sunny Thomas. <laughs> um, she's the mother of Tyler and her baby Xavier and her baby Soleil. I about to, listen, I'm so retarded. I'm thinking about letters because of all your seeds. But anyway. Oh, wait. We do have our bell. And we're missing uh, Terry Terry, mother of Jamal, and Tiff, the Fuller Boys mama. And last but not least, our lovely Lauren, the mother of the Bailey boys. So welcome to the show for everyone who's been waiting, waiting, waiting. Our most controversial show. <laughs> I won't even say that. I'm just I'm playing for real, but I'm really, really not playing. Okay? No, we're serious. Okay. So tonight, tonight, ladies and gentlemen out there, we have with us the infamous Cooley High alumnus, <laughs> Daniel Ferguson. What up, Big D? What's up, everybody? What's going on? How you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm actually humbled that you guys invited me. I really I, I appreciate it. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I love about it is that our last, so our finale one of season one was a big person too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's like it was two of the two of the biggest guys, two of the most um, I would say recruited guys that come out of Detroit, and mm-hmm. um, both of you are. Had very fasc- fascinating stories, so I think that we we're doing a good job. Bay Bush, high five over there. Hit All that right. bell, girl. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who was uh, DC? DC? He, oh, he was our finale oh, for season. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. He was the finale show on last season. Yeah, that's, that's big. That's big, y'all. <laughs> so, I got the big homie, yes, the one and only. Yes. Um, so we are, um, you know, our season two has been basically rolling through the off season, um, mm-hmm. talking about the things that athletes need to do during the off season, and we'll dig deeper into that as we speak into okay. the conversation. But first, we really want our audience to know a little bit about you. Okay. Um, I feel like everybody thinks they know who you are, mm-hmm. but um, different people with different attitudes can take different type of, of attitudes towards you. Perspectives. Based on, yeah. Exactly. So I just want you to give a little bit of history of, um, you know, who you are and kind of even tell us, start telling us about things that happened to you as a high school basketball player. Okay. All right. Well, starting off, everybody, um, you know, a lot of people know me as Daniel Lighton. Right. You know, my, through my high school career, I was Daniel Lighton and, you know, had a pretty decent career at Cooley and got recruited by Missouri. Uh, was started, I played varsity my freshman year. Ooh, you hey. know, I came in. That doesn't happen back in know, those days, just for all you people who have starting freshmen. I, I came in, you know, kind of unheralded. Nobody knew who I was. I didn't play the uh, Power League circuit. My Actually, my freshman year that summer was my first time playing Power. So I was just raw. Didn't nobody know who I was. Kelso had actually recruited me, unbeknownst to me. You know, he was coming up to Kelly Park and was watching the guys. And, you know, he saw me. So he, I guess he figured I was either going to go to Redford or Cooley, but mm-hmm. he saw me at Cooley. So, uh. So did y'all hear that though? Recruited at Kelly Park. 
Yeah. And so I, a coach out there right. like, let me go see who I can find on the play, on the playground. Oh right? yeah, because yeah, that's where real did. ball, real hoops went. He exactly. Definitely did that. I remember seeing him up there. Didn't really know who he was. Just like, oh, this old dude up there. He was playing <laughs> and you know, fouling and wild. You know how you know you know coach. So uh, he never introduced himself to me or anything, but I do remember seeing him. And um, my first week there, I kind of. I kind of dodged him. Okay. You know, it was a he, he. He saw me, and he was like, "Hey, I want you to come to the gym." He, he took my ID and looked at the back of it, and he was like, "After this class, I want you to come to the gym." So I'm like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." You know. So why did you go to Cooley then, if it wasn't for basketball, like most people? It go was to in my neighborhood. Yeah, it was in my it neighborhood. Was, it was your. And it was your school. Real. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys a story that a lot of people don't know. So at Servney, there was a man by the name of Mr. McLeod. Mr. McLeod took a liking to me, and he thought, educational-wise, he thought I had something where I, you know, he wanted me to go to Cass. Mm-hmm. So just so happened, the coach Shannon had left Chassis and ended up going to Cass Tech as the AD. Coach Shannon. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Chassis, Demetrius Gore, Dwight Pooler, Dennis Crawford, Lenar Collins, them my guys, they from my neighborhood, them some of the guys that kind of got me really like, come on, Albert Boyd. And they was like, you going to Chassis. Coach Shannon going to do this. You're going to be good. But, you know, Mr. McLeod took me down to, uh, to Cass, and I was going to go to Cass. But Ruth Ferguson yes, mama. was like, uh, who going to take you to school? How you going to get there? And boom, boom, boom. So I ended up going to Cooley. It was within walking distance. And yes. that's, that's how I ended up going to Cooley. Okay, then. Mama decision. Yeah, right. mama decision. She, she's still making them decisions to this day. <laughs> Don't we know? Right. Um, so and, continue about, you know, you, you dodged Coach Kelso. Yeah, so – you know, the first week there, I remember it like yesterday, you know, freshman. You know, I'm like, oh, this big-ass school. I'm sorry. You guess. Okay. Hey. big-ass <laughs> school, you know. So uh, I was kind of running the streets, but not really every day, you know. But I was, you know, running around doing my thing. And um, he caught me about two weeks later. Mm. And he confronted me. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you scared or something? Like, yeah, you know, you know, and I'm like, what? Wait a minute. He's like, you probably don't even have no uh shorts on a hoop. You know, who a baller gonna keep some shorts on right, right. and be ready to go. So went around to the gym and um I took my pants off and had some shorts on under there. And I had on some uh some Reebok. <clears throat> excuse me, some Reeboks. So phase one, not even no hoop shoes. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go on the hoop. So boom. At the time, my freshman year, it was Jamin Sanders, Neil mm. Ziegler, mm. Audie Buck, Gary Napier, Ooh. Andre Reams, uh, Andrew Gross. Uh, mm. The man at the time was Neil Ziegler and Joe Conley, Joe Boone. They, like, when I got there and it was like, I see the function of the team. I'm like, oh, okay, Earl Stark was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got there, you were a freshman in 85. 85, 86, 85, yeah. That was my freshman okay. year. So we just, it's open rec. You know, mm-hmm. it's two weeks school starts, so it's just open rec. No, don't nobody really know who on the team. Well, I didn't. But Ralph and George were there. Okay. They were sophomores. So they knew, I think they, at the time, they were on JV. And, um, you know, so I knew George from the neighborhood. Right. I didn't, I didn't really know Ralph. 
And um, they were kind of assertive with, you know, because George knew me. So George came like, what up, man? You know, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just remember not being intimidated, but just being kind of like, man, these guys can really play. They getting up and down. You know, wasn't nobody, it wasn't nobody dunking or doing nothing crazy. I remember Yaman was real wild. <laughs> and um, we got the plan. So I, I played the next game, and it was this is so funny. So we going up and down. I think I missed a layup. I was just nervous, you know, the, the nervous energy or whatever. So we go down, and it was a broken play. And I ended up with the ball, and I dunked it so fast and so quick, you could hear a pin drop in it. Everybody was like, damn. So I run back down. I come back down. And um, something happened, or I, I think I blocked a shot, or uh, it was something crazy. But from that point forward, people was like, they thought I was older. Okay. You okay. know, because I'm playing with them. And then once we start officially practicing, I didn't start varsity to, I, I, if I remember, the second half after the winter break. Okay. So, okay. but during practice and everything, the practices were, were very hard. I know. I went to Cooley. <laughs> yeah, and and it was a it was a hell of an experience just starting out. So let's give the people some um, information. You won how many state titles? Three. Three in mm. a row. row. Whoop whoop. Yeah. Only high school in team. I mean, high school team in Michigan to do it. Well, we're not the only team. Well, not the only team, but the only Flint North. I think Flint South, Northwestern South. did it, or Flint Northern did it. Yeah. But only me and Mike Talley are the only players that to ever win three, three. Yeah, right. in a row. Right, yeah. right. All right, thank you for clearing that up because I do not need any of y'all Flint people on my timeline. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, they, they, they <laughs> real. No, they not. They not. <laughs> However, we are the first high school team to be on Sports Illustrated. Definitely. A. <laughs> Definitely. The, Even cover, they, yeah, the yeah. cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, so with that being said, um, you were ranked uh, number 15 in the country, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and I want to kind of go here with this being ranked, no social media, right? Yeah, no right. cell phones, no. no AAU as we right, know it, right. okay? No grassroots basketball as we know it. Yeah, like you, if y'all heard him, he said PAL, P-A-L, okay? And so. I think the super friends had just started exactly, maybe exactly. that year or the year. So yeah. coming. When you get that big, because to me, I feel like not having all of that, you have to be really, really good for people to eat, find you, for right. for example. You know what I mean? Um, how did that um, affect your life as far as being a high school student and having people pay attention to you because of that? Well, at the, at the time, because it was the 80s, it was, you know, it was that era, it was the Reaganomics, it was the crack era, and it was so many outside things that I was involved in where I, and I, and then I was immature. I was, you know, I was six, six, 14 years old. You know, I wasn't no street guy, but I, I was affiliated, you know, and at that time it was crazy. You would, know? You, would you say that most um, athletes were affiliated at some point because of just the, some some how hard were it was affiliated? I'm, I'm gonna tell you like this: there was a lot of guys that were affiliated, but there was also a lot of guys that were affiliated. Right. Know, like you know, right. they had a brother or a cousin or just guys they grew up with that was getting money. Right. And if you were around that, 
it's hard to shake it. It's hard to shake it. Yeah. You know, and um, I kind of, you know, my freshman year, sophomore year, well, my freshman year was kind of just hanging out, you know, and that's when crack had kind of really, you know, hit Detroit. Yeah. We had hit before then, but for my era. The late 80s, it was, it, it hey, was, we were a lot of It was a monster. Yeah, it was a monster. I knew guys that uh, one a month before that, they was messed up. The next month, they were like thousandaires. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, so, you know. So talk about your recruitment and then the, the experience with Missouri for us because I want – our athletes and our parents to kind of understand, like, it, it hasn't changed. At all, not It hasn't bit. changed. This has been going on for a long time, and um, I feel like the NCAA poses these rules on our athletes, but we're the ones who hold the talent. Right. So how can you control what I hold? And then not only that, but the rules are so draconian. Mm-hmm. They, it's like the rules are staying here. But everything else has has went and evolved. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. especially MHSAA. People, right? It's, oh my God! So, <laughs> you know, and and me and DC, a lot of the guys, we talked about that changing that. We need to change them. That the high school Michigan has the worst high school rules, I think, and it's because I'm not trying to say it's racial, but it's ran by white people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It and, is because when you when you say to someone that everything is based off the coaches who vote. And I'm just being honest, um, out of the 100% of people who vote for whatever, 80% is white. It is. It is. That's just, I mean, the makeup of the state is is what it is. And so we got to figure out a way to change it. But just tell us about Missouri real quick so we can kind of. So I was recruited uh, Rich Daly, my man. Rich Daly was my guy. That's who recruited me for Norm Stewart. And um, the recruiting process at Missouri was it was fun because at the time Doug Smith, Doug Smith, Nate Bunton, hey. Lee Coward, my main man. Uh, who uh, then we had Jeff Warren, who was from he was from here. He wasn't from Detroit. And then we had uh, Travis Ford, Chris Heller, mm, Anthony Peeler mm. was a freshman the same year that we. <laughs> The one week there, me and him got into a fight. <laughs> it was crazy. I'm from Detroit. He's from St. Louis. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> so everybody thought Missouri paid me. Everybody thought Missouri was paying the players. Everybody thought it was some uh, pay to play and all that stuff. I never got no money from Missouri. You know, I was getting money, you know, but I never got no money from Missouri. <laughs> right. You know, but I got trips and, you know, they took care of me when I went down there. And, um... They uh, the one thing that I remember vividly about being recruited by Missouri, they really made me feel that they wanted me. Right, uh, you know? and and that's something that I feel like every athlete should feel. Um, we talked about it yesterday, for example, just saying that in the recruitment process, you want the coach, the head coach that right. wants you. Because a lot of times it's always the assistants, right? right. They're going to do their job. Their job is to recruit. You got to recruit coaches. Norm came. I, Rich Daly came a lot. Norm came a, a couple of times. And then when I went down there, I actually went to Norm's house and sat down with him and his wife. Okay. And he was like, look, son, yes. I yes. like you. We think you whoop, 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 whoop. And it was I was like, oh, okay, but USC, it was George Ravelin, and George Ravelin guy in Detroit was Doc Royal. So USC came on, 
very strong. Okay. And what I later found out was Kelso had a relationship with Ravelin and USC and them, but I didn't know. Right. Because me and Kelso had kind of, we didn't really fall out, but we had like a, you know, I was kind of different. You know, yes, when I was yes, up, yes, yes. You, know. you are kind of different. I was a little rebellious, and um, I was uh, you know, I was a little different. You know, the, but you still like that. So even yeah. with that being said, being said, because it's not a negative thing. Right. It's really that you understand. It's that perspective thing again. Oh, right. you know, again, perspective. It, it can right. be per- perceived as negative, but I just had my own train of thought, and which, I was like, hey, it, which we all should have, right. and um. It's funny that you say that because it's kind of like, let's just use an example, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, I might read it. You might read it. You, we all going to see it differently and, yeah. and, and take in the information um, a little bit differently. So it's, it's funny because everybody thinks that you're like this big person that caused all this trouble on Facebook because you actually tell the truth. True. And I try to get people to think. My think. main perspective is let's talk about it. Yes. Because this shit ain't working. Yes. Right. You know, or care. it ain't right. right. Yeah, yeah, and it ain't right, you know. So <laughs> let's talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, you may be sitting over there like, look at Big D. He he, uh, he going to be on it. No, I ain't. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this shit. Right. Because it ain't really about I'm 48. It ain't about me. It's about our kids. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? I don't want my kids be here trying to figure this out, you know. So, so at Missouri, you ended up decommitting. Wait, right. Wait, yeah. let me well, ask you a question before you I'm answer sorry. that. Yeah. Um, what was? How was it leaving? Was it easy for you to leave Detroit? Hell to go to Missouri? no. How was it? How did you adjust? Listen, let me tell you something. And, and my man Farrell Blewett, my man Farrah, he can attest to this. Me and him sitting in my Mustang, I cried like dog. I don't want to go. Mm. Like this real talk, my man. He can. We talked about this the other day, and um. I was like, whoa. I was like, uh, you know, that was my that's my best friend that, you know, then now and everything. And me and him had a conversation. He was like, bro, you gotta go. Like you can't just and I was like, but man, you know, I was so immature. Yeah. I swear I was so Yeah, because I was gonna say now looking back. Yeah, now looking back. Like- I was one of the I, I tell people all the time, one of the worst decisions. The only decision I ever regret in life is not staying in Missouri. That's mm-hmm. the only, like, out of everything else. And and to say that, it, I don't think I would really be myself. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how I would turn out if I didn't go through what I went through right, to be right, who I am right, now. Right, right, right. So if I, if I would have, let's just say I stayed in Missouri mm-hmm. and went pro, I could be an asshole mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. people be like, you know what I'm saying? We all know him. You know, his mother's like, damn, what do you know? Like, but, you know, so I can't say, you know, but that is a regret. That's one of my biggest regrets, not staying there and sticking it out and, you know, trying to come home and, and lie to myself and say, oh, I can go to another school. It's going to be straight and mm-hmm. this, this, and that, and other. When the whole time, that's not, it's a, it's a program and it's a, the NCAA is the farm system for the NBA. And at that time, you had to go through it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. It wasn't no high school. High school it wasn't, right. even though you could have been physically, you could play with them guys, whatever. But they like, who you think you are to think you can come mm-hmm. this route? Exactly. That, that, exactly. You know? So, so what, what I, happened once you got there? Um, okay. I was a little shell shocked, you know, because of the, the makeup and everything. But I was still, 
I was still cool because, you know, Doug was there. Doug really took me on this wing. He had been there. And then um, Lee, Lee took me on this wing, Nate. And they were geek. They were like, oh, we got the big fella. Now we bought this. Man, and we was ranked number one in the nation at the time. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. people don't even realize. They, our recruiting class was so good that they ranked us number one, you know, with the recruiting class and returning players and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just immature. I, you know, I could have stayed. If I, if I would have stayed there, I probably would have went pro. I probably about two years, I probably would have went pro. Because I look at the guys that went pro from my era like Mike Pavlovsky and all them guys. Like, I mean, I ain't, I, I'm the, the the last person to be like, oh, I was the deal and boom, 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 boom. But I was better than Mike Pavlovsky. <laughs> right, You know, right. I ain't going to, you know, but. And it's good that you say that because I feel like um, so many, first on a whole, you was scared to go and all that yeah, stuff. I, yeah. um, a lot of times I hear now it's more parents who don't want their kids to go. Mm-hmm. Um, no, my mom was get your ass out of here. Right, <laughs> and man, I was like, no. It's like, and then what do we? Do, what are we doing as parents to prepare them for that day, no matter where it is, for them to go and be comfortable with going? And and so what is shell shocking? But I can go and I'm going to do this. Nah, a testament to you, what you do with your son, taking them to them camps and letting them get the experience of being away. And being, you know, on campus and see, we never had that. Right. Only right. time we went away was in '87, which also made us buy. We went to Western Michigan Teen Camp in um, Kalamazoo. Okay. West, you know, and we were the whole team were gone together for like three weeks. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. So these are the off season stories that I. Yeah. <laughs> now you know we got some. We listen. <laughs> oh my God, we got the. So your off season really only consisted of, as far as travel, those three weeks at Western? And it was three weeks? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you all a scenario. It was 86. It was after our, my freshman year. We we lost to Highland Park in the districts at Highland Park. So Kelso obviously thought we should have been better than that. And, you know, so boom. He, he had a mission. He had a game yes. plan for that yes. summer. Mm-hmm. Game so plan. So we started out. We left Detroit. This is summer of 87. I'll never forget it. Kelso had a brown 40 kind of line band. We piled up in there probably about 14, 15 deep. We sitting on the floor. We got our knees bunched up, and we in there deep, you know, cracking jokes everything. Me, <laughs> Ralph, George, Jamin, Earl, uh, uh it was Eric Howard. You know, it was just everybody, you know, the core, right. no, the I, core right, of the team. I, right. So our first stop was Saginaw. And Kelso had set up a scrimmage with Saginaw. And at that time, Saginaw was a beast. This is this is the summer of 86 going to 87, my sophomore year. So we played Saginaw up there and we beat them. Like we we and we were young. And we like we we popped them like bad. <laughs> they, you know, so Kelso was like, okay, we on to something. So we left Saginaw and went to uh, Mount Pleasant. One of Kelso's best friends who went to Central with him, Denny. Uh, I can't think of Coach Denny's. I think it was, Mc- I don't want to say McLean, but he was the head coach at Mount Pleasant High School then. Okay. So this was another, like, shocker to us. When we saw Mount Pleasant High School, we was like, wow. It looked like a college campus. Mm-hmm. They had a wrestling room with rubber mats on the whole floor. And that's where we slept at. We didn't even stay in the hotel. We slept in the gym. 
in, in, in the school. I know that probably was a violation or something. But <laughs> you ain't gonna get in trouble now. No, right. right exactly. So, hey, welcome. What's up, Big D? What, what up? What up? <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So, boom. We, we played, it was a tournament up there, so we played Mount Pleasant. And then after the uh, tournament, we went um, canoeing as a team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Derwin almost drowned. And it, it, <laughs> you know, we were playing, we fighting each other from the boats with the oars. And the one thing that did was bonded us team together. Team building. Mm-hmm. It was team, team building, yeah. you know. So we getting to learn to know who, don't throw it to dude on the break because he going to fumble it. You know, <laughs> no, you know, just we learned so much stuff. Players got into it with each other. Uh, yes, yes. Jamin and Kelso got into it. Yeah. There was so many stories. So then after we won that tournament, after we left there, we stopped in um no, we went to the team camp down in Kalamazoo. So we went up north, then came back down mm-hmm. to Kalamazoo. So at Kalamazoo it was a team camp. And we went in there, we were tired of each other, but we didn't want to lose. Yes, competition. And that that camp is what solidified our bond because it was other teams in the state that were there. So everybody getting to see who was who, but we just focused on us. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, you know, it was me, Earl, Ralph, George, Yaman. That that core, you know, was like I challenged Yaman, Yaman challenged me, Earl challenged Ralph, Ralph challenged Earl. George challenge Rav, you know, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. But that core right there, that me, George, and Rav, because I was a year under them. Right, right, right. You know, I was a sophomore, they were juniors. And we kind of, that we had a, me and Rav had a fight. That's how we got tight. <laughs> me and Rav wasn't even, we didn't really know each other. He from the other end of Finkel, I'm from the other end of Finkel. You know, George from my end, but Kelso could ride down Finkel. And pick all his players up. Yes, he could. You know, he'd be like, I'm coming down finger at this time, be there. And you just standing on finger. You stop, you jump in, <laughs> go up to the school. Dang. So <laughs> right. we um Ding for like that highway. Right. We bonded. That 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 see that summer of eighty seven was the summer that we really did our thing. Like came together as a team. And I remember it like yesterday. We it was like, ain't nobody beating us. Yeah. You know, like Nobody we, we did. got this. Right. <laughs> well, Southwestern gave us a thrashing uh, for the city championship that year. But right. during the regular season, then nobody beat us. I think McKenzie beat us at Cooley. And then um, then Southwestern beat us for the uh, city championship. City championship. Yeah. They throttled us. Mm. But it lit a fire. Mm-hmm. It lit a fire. And once that fire was lit, it didn't go out to 89. To Amen. <laughs> What's that school name? <laughs> and I, I, so when I'm you sorry. think about um, I, I, that whole scenario is like what I, what I really want our listeners to understand because the offseason is the most important part so to get, get you better. ready for your season. And I think people hear that, but they don't, they don't believe it. Right. And they don't understand yeah. it mm-hmm. because – you can grow in three months, Listen. and you can do things in the summer. Now that, that I've seen, and you can't. It's things that you can't do over the three months of summer that you can't do during a regular season, right? Because right, right. you got school, you got all other, all these other things to focus on. Exactly. And um, I think out of everything that we've 
done for this whole topic of offseason, that's important to know because you guys went and won three state titles. Yeah, and it was you in know, the summer. The summers was the summers was when you individually worked on your game. Like I worked on my game at Cooley, and then I went to Kelly Park mm-hmm. and polished my game against mm-hmm. older dudes. You know, the dudes was coming home from college. You know, right. just think about it. 80, 86, 87, you had Derek Coleman, Steve Smith, Demetrius Gore. Mm. Uh, you had dudes that was coming home, and if you wasn't about that life, you got, man. You got polished. You and, got polished. <laughs> and, and it's so and, crazy and, because and, we were talking about the guys, the kids yesterday and the sides. Right. You were this size dang near as a yeah, freshman. I, I, was roughly, <laughs> I was roughly about an inch and a half shorter but I was about 100 pounds lighter. I'm, I weigh 320 now. Mm. When I graduated from Cooley, I was 225. Wow. Yeah, wow. So, but tell yeah. me it was all muscle, though. Yeah. Oh, sure. It's still all muscle now. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like when you said that you guys were tired of each other, but you didn't want to lose. And I'm, right. Yeah. I'm going to take that for anything. That should be in your marriage. That should be with your kids. Right. That should be with fighting for everything. It Get it done. You know. I think a lot of the stuff that I learned at Cooley as far as team building, like I tell people all the time, people look at me and they be like, man, you you be getting it in. You be whoop woo 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 And I be like, I'm a team player. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never been one to be like, oh, I'm the man, woo 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 No, I'm going to play my role. I'm going to learn everybody's role. Mm-hmm. So if they mm-hmm. lacking, I'm gonna be like, no, nah, man, you set the back pick, go back this way, and they looking like, damn, but you the center, how you know what I'm supposed to do? That's because I'm paying attention. That's I'm paying attention. Yes, you supposed to. Yeah, you yeah. supposed to know everything. But now we challenge like our core group, me, Raph, and George. We challenge each other on everything. We debate it. We you got a two? You got a two point two? You dummy! Like man, like, <laughs> you, you, you ain't even got a two five! Like right. man, right? I pushed each other. Yeah, we pushed. That's, we, we that's, that's, each that's other, some you know? of the things that are now uh, kids don't do. Yes, like no. kids don't do that. They're non confrontational. Yeah. Yes, yeah, very, very no confrontational. Yeah. Man, like, man, so, man. so how do you change that though? By going back to the basics, I think. But see, here, but you said something earlier about the parents. Mm-hmm. You know. Parents don't want nobody talking talking to their kids yeah. a certain way or chastising their kids or, or you know. Or correcting anything. Yeah, right. Correcting something that yeah. is but wrong. You know, so one yeah. one thing I could say, like now um, I'm getting better with, um, is being told I'm doing something wrong. And being and being able to move forward from that. Mm-hmm. Now, constructive criticism. Absolutely. That's what it's called. Yeah. You got to be able to take cu- constructive criticism. To. And and today, twice. I was checked to, twice today in less than an hour. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and the first one was from my daughter. My daughter was like, mine. You know, and I'm like, okay, hold up. Watch your tone. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to listen to you, but you're going to watch how the fuck you talking to me. Right. You know? Right. And then I, I, I met George and we talked. You know, and he like, look, look, ma. Yeah. You know, and and I'm cool with that. But I'm you approachable cool. though. Yeah. But you got some parents because, that's not approachable. Yeah. You got to be right. approachable. And then even the coaches got to leave that door open, let them know. But I'm I'm a I'm a big proponent of laying your rules out, laying the law out in the beginning. Really? Right. Don't be doing it as you go along. Right. Oh, okay, this yeah. might something happen. Yeah. Then yeah. you want to go ahead and implement something. Listen, let me know up front how this what how this shit gonna do. work out. Don't that's just right. go left. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then you go right, right again. Then you left again. Now you right. got this situation. But yeah, it's called constructive criticism. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it's a two way street too. Right. right. Yeah. But I'm I'm a big believer. Listen, the coaching thing. I'm gonna give that to you because number one, we got to trust the process. Right. Mm-hmm. Trusting the process is placing your child in. 
a position to be coached. Right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I'm standing yeah. in my lane. I, I'm going to stay appearing. Right. Yeah, and we can talk about that receive. later on. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you a little time to cool off. And right. then talk about it later. And then to finish that, it's also recognizing that it is in your kid. Like, True. like I know it's in him, my son, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes he has been the non-confrontational kid because that's what everybody else does. Right. And I always say, like, I, and I say it all the time, a Kay Felder wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> but um, I have had talks with him recently because I told him, I said, listen, you're meeting your own expectations now. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn how to lead your team so that mm-hmm. they believe the same thing about you, all of y'all. Oh, yeah. right. Because right. when you watch them, they're really talented and they're young, but they don't they don't know each other. They don't have a relationship. You, right. can, you can tell. You can tell. Right. Right. Like just, once they're they're done playing, they yeah. go they go each exactly. other. And way. I, I asked him about somebody the other day and I said, such and such do you know? He's yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. And I was like, why not? No, we knew. Exactly. <laughs> we knew. So that's a big thing <laughs> that I want to Man, we knew who was talking to who such and such girlfriend was. <laughs> we knew what classes. We knew what your GPA was. We knew what your home life was, you know. Because y'all talked. And, and, we, yeah. Yeah, y'all, and we hung out together. Right. Yeah. yeah. We all hung out together. I think that's very important. Yeah. I agree. I do. I agree. And coach then, Wendell, Coach Green said, "Why don't you tell them that you coaching for the Playmakers?" Right? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, oh, and people don't understand that I'm, the Playmakers, they're my brothers. You know, G Ward over there, Wendell. He like you gotta yeah, let him know. Aaron, and Cordell Robinson. That's another thing about Detroit basketball. Our camaraderie and brotherhood mm-hmm. amongst the fellas is unprecedented. You know, I don't care if I see DC, it's D Light. What up? What we doing? You know, Vo, uh, some of my closest friends now are guys from Southwestern that I battle with. Right. Me and Hunt hang out all the time. Me and Vo hang out all the time. Me and um, Lauren, well, Maverick Dread, we hang out all the time. Doyle Callahan, then you know my brothers, Ralph, George, Earl. But I think that's the beauty of the those days, the yeah. 80s, the 90s. Like, mm-hmm. right. even, even though on the court, you fought like cats oh, and dogs yeah. against it each other. Like it was but on you the that, that was a respectful. That it was respectable though. Right. No, right. You wouldn't know yeah, it yeah. while y'all playing. That's, that's right. my. And, like, and, like and, about and the thumb. difference <laughs> is, and now since it's yeah. it's like you know it's so different now because everybody's a friend. Right. So the the lack of competition isn't there. Whether it, I don't care whether it's the NBA. College is a little different because you don't really know. Like right. it ain't really. They can't be friends. I think that way because they're not. They don't around see each other, each other right. as they much as NBA guys, and, and they don't have money to move around like NBA guys. But even in high school, a lot of the kids know they love each other. Like right. okay, but I, I was talking to somebody about what if the, what if Isaiah and Michael Jordan was like the guys now, like LeBron James and them, right? Because yeah. you know, like you know, what I'm saying like they. Their rivalry was so, so, so bad that they can't even be friends now, right? right? Yeah. But what if they were able to be like the guys now? That would have been an awesome thing to see. Yeah. It's like for me. Cause and, and then I think a lot of that, like socially, stopped a lot of things right. from happening. Right. Because yeah. dudes mm-hmm. was like, well, I ain't about to mess my money up. And like I, I didn't know that Craig Hodges went to Magic and Jordan during the finals right after Rodney King. And they was like, no, nah, we ain't messing with that. Wow. You know, that's fucked up. Wow. You know, I don't think, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. When Craig Hodges won a three-point shootout and he took that protest, 
and was oh, like, yeah. and okay, okay. Things. So Rodney King ha- ha- happened. Yep. And he went to Matt. It was the finals. He went. It was. It was April. April 29th was the Rodney King when everybody mm-hmm. went crazy right. mm-hmm. and be finals in June. Yeah, yeah. So they he went to them and was like, "Hey man, let's make a stand," and they was like, "No." Mm-hmm. Like I can believe that. You know, magic and look at both of them corporate titans now. Yeah, right. Yeah. So right. I mean, you know, hey, to each his own. But that's what I do love about this generation. Yeah, I love LeBron them for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, they for LeBron to do what he do. You can say what you want to about LeBron. That boy puts it in the hoop, and he's a righteous man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He ain't pulling no punches. He ain't trying to be fake. He cry. He, you know, he take his lungs. He's human. He's human. Yeah, right. He's right. human. I, I, I wouldn't have no problem with my sons emulating LeBron James. Right. And for the, for the, for the, for the world to know, it is okay that he dunked in the layup line. Okay. Oh, really but so. all the people who yeah, act like that I, was crazy. I misunderstood that. And I was... For me, it was difficult for me not to say something. I thought he, I thought because they did it more for the fans and everyone else. mm -hmm. Like, well, they got mad because he was dunking. Everybody was talking about like he shouldn't have been in. Like, they was tripping. They were tripping because the kids were warming up, right? Yeah, and then LeBron, he's always in their layup line though. Yeah, it's a son team, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. he had a three point shootout with the kids. Yeah, he had a yeah. Three point with the kids. So he always does he this. He looked at it from an entertainment I think perspective. He, that's yeah. what I said. That's, yeah. I think he does it to entertain. Because at the end of the day, it's not normal that uh, LeBron James is at an AAU tournament right. and everybody like right. that's right. better than a game. When so he like, look, when, go on, when let's when get Mike this out the way so y'all can pay attention to this right. game. Once and the I, game starts going, that's so he went ahead, more. gave him what they wanted, and then let's after this y'all gonna watch this. Don't game. be in awe of me. Watch right. my team. I'm about to mess with people. When did Mike ever attend an AAU tournament? Hey, who was that? No. But yeah, I just think in this day and age. Our kids think they better than what they really are. Yes. I agree, and that's you know a lot. A lot. A lot of that just comes from the parents, though. Yeah, uh, or or, or coaches yeah, that that's true. That I think that they have access too much information that they yes. get to see and hear that. So yes. right. you yes. have to be physically Humble. in the presence. Yeah. Well, yes. number one, you got to be in the presence of somebody to be able to hear that. Right. Now it's right at your fingertips. Right. Mm-hmm. And then everybody like gathering this one space that they feed. And then you got some parents over time. I'm like, listen, there's only certain things that you can say. Not just to my kid because I'm very protective of all our kids. Right. And I'm like, Especially if you know your kid a little emotional if you right. say something. What you talking about? Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, yes. hold on. Right. So yeah. I, I feel that. Yeah. Like, the boys, you know, a day in the mirror, like when I came in their life, they were like six years old. And um <clears throat> they uh they was rambunctious. They was twin boys and they was being raised by their mother and they didn't have I mean they had their uncle and their grandfather. Right. But they was living their life. You know, Kwame had his kids and you know, boom. So they as we start getting closer, and I always tell them this. They used to always be like, "Well, how everybody know you?" Like every time we go to a tournament, the coaches, <laughs> I get that. Everybody a like, man, woo, 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 your dad, right. boom, 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 boom. So I used to tell my oldest boy a day all the time, "You can't be your biggest cheerleader, man." No. If you your biggest, I'm the man. I'm this. I can. I kill him. You're fooling ooh, yourself. You're fooling yourself. <laughs> Because when that one dude come and he's stopping you, now you don't know what to shook. do. Yeah. You yeah. shook. And you don't know how to put that thing in that second gear because you thought you was already in that yes. gear. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, right. it's, it's, you got to, you you see your kids getting too far up. And then with mine, we used to go in the back and hoop. I used to show them. 
Put you know the beat down. Like, look, y'all can't do nothing with me, man. Oh, you getting old. You getting old. Yeah, but y'all ain't about to beat me. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to crawl, whatever. Y'all exactly. ain't about to beat me. Exactly. So what what advice, um, Big D, would mm-hmm. you give our youth today that's aspiring to play at the next level? Like what what's, what's important? What's the most important thing right now? From high school to college, mm-hmm. my best advice for the kids in high school is, to learn everything. Humble yourself, be disciplined, and work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, get in the best shape you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, and in 87, when we, before we won our first state championship, Kelso implemented the chair jumping thing. Yes. That's- so he would line up like eight chairs, and you had to jump over the back end of mm-hmm. it. So the tallest end... Mm-hmm. After you jumped to eight chairs, you had to put the centers, put centers on their back and walked up the steps and then ran around the track. In 87, the reason we was able to come back and beat Southwestern after they throttled us because we were in the best shape that we had ever been in you yeah. know, for a high school team. Work ethic is Work everything. Work ethic is everything. And then um, also listening to your parents to the point where being able – to decipher parenting from coaching. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? One of one of the classes that I had with Kelso was he was trying to be a parent where I had both my parents at home. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't need that. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And he was overbearing with it. Mm-hmm. So it tuned me. It turned me off. You know what I'm saying? But I still practiced hard. I didn't have no attitude because I loved my brothers, you know. Right. Yeah. That was my. Them was my brothers. Like what? This that's this my crew. Right. When we come in the gym, we represent Cooley. Right. But we gonna look good. We got our. You know, back then it was just style or whatever. But swag. They call it swag. Now. <laughs> yeah. But we used to come in that boy like what? Mm-hmm. Y'all, we here. <laughs> this is what we about to do, especially after after we won the first one. It was a wrap. Yeah, you already know. It was a wrap. We was like, man, ain't nobody beating us. Mm-mm. You know, and we wore that proudly. Like, even still to this day, you know how alumni weekend comes. We like, what? <laughs> right. right. We take it on oh, all I, I can attest to that. Hey, you went to the party. You went to the party. No problem. That's, that's great, though. Yep. That's great. What was the most, what would you say is, is the most challenging thing you went through as a player, whether high school College. The most challenging thing in high school was uh, losing to Southwestern in the city championship game. Now, you, now keep in mind, like I said, this is the 80s. Everybody was at that game. Everybody. It was at Kobo. Mm-hmm. I mean, from political, street, yeah. students, everybody was at that game. I think the, the place was packed. No, it and, was. Um, and it was, <laughs> and we lost. Like, they were still pressing us. They were up like 30. Mm. And it was like the fourth quarter, and they mm. were still pressing us. Mm. And Kelso was pissed. That started the whole Perry and Kelso beef. Mm. Like, they that next summer at the Saint, they almost had a fight. They almost <laughs> physically had a fight. They had to be separated. <laughs> and Kelso, you know, that asshole, you know, he, he did not like Perry for that. Oh, because he kept pressing. Yeah, because he kept pressing after they was up. You know, they were up 30. They were still pressing. (laughs) 
The Res- have a little decorum. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> have some respect for the game. <laughs> but it came back to bite their ass, and, you know, because yeah. they, they lit that fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we we could be playing uh, Warren De La Salle, but we was practicing breaking the press against Southwestern. Right. i never forget. After we lost that game, you know, a week or so later, they come out with a paper to show the, the bracket right, for yeah. the tournament. Those assholes are right here. <laughs> and if we win every game, we'll meet those assholes right here. <laughs> and we're going to kick their ass. You know That's how, how he thought. Was? He wasn't lying. And we practiced every game to break that press. So Southwestern was the bully. Mm-hmm. They yes. used the amoeba defense. They was using the same defense that UNLV was yep, doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and people would, it's, it's, co- it's high school. Everybody, they running this damn pro set, you right. know, <laughs> college set. Right. And they was, but once we got it, and they, um, I'll never forget, Hunt, who was my man right now to this day, at the city championship game, they wouldn't let me dunk. They like literally pulled me out the air. When I was about to get a dunk, when we did break the test one, the, the, uh, the press one time, mm-hmm. I go, he yanked me, no, ain't gonna be no dunk because they knew that's how we got going. Mm-hmm. Like I would get a dunk, then everybody, I'll see y'all, and then we'll get going. They had, they had <laughs> us, they had our number. They knew, they knew what got us going. They knew how to stop us and everything. And we choked. The rest was like we deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everybody who was everybody was at that game, mm-hmm. and we got caught. We got caught like. You know, like Tyson say, hey, you a beast until you get punched in the face. <laughs> right. And we got punched in the face, the nose, the eye. Bit in the ear. Stop. Quit. <laughs> Don't Man. do it no more. Right. Everything. And um, we practiced to get back in Southwestern. And in the process, we ran through everybody in the tournament. Mm. Six games. Beautiful. I'm 18 it's and Beautiful one. to hear. I was <laughs> 18 and one. <laughs> What what um so you, most people now kind of recognize you or would label you as like this political freak, right? Because right. they 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 think that every angle is coming from a political angle. Can we kind of touch on that a little bit before we you know wrap yeah. up? Because that's what we call right. the controversy, I guess. Okay, well, um, do you much think you're a politician? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, great. So I don't think I'm I don't think I'm a politician for the simple fact that I know the game. Now, family members have been politicians and I tell people this all the time, you know. I don't think people realize what really happened with Kwame and the whole mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. and the corruption and all this other stuff. So now that it's past 6 years later, then we can look and, and reflect, you know, because reflection is eternal. Right. So as we sit back and look and we say, okay, well, this this was corruption and this was wrong, this was wrong back then. But now it's like, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. So then you go back and say, well, why these people got all this time? And then you move forward and these people ain't getting in trouble. Right, right. The thing is, it's been going on. It's been, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I tell people, not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but I just tell people this. The politics of this city has been the politics of this city before Kwame, my dad, for whoever. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? The only thing different is the players. It seemed like back then, the media, and I just want to say this. I'm not mad at no politician. I'm mad at the media for portraying 
one group of people one way, yes, right? Another group, absolutely. Portraying this other group Dang. of people because we don't have no control over what they what they report you know, one, right. and then what they portray, right? And the perception of their reporting, yeah, what's it what it puts on our people, exactly. And I feel like this: they play to our ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yes, they play the to whole our world that does. don't know how to think. Right, exactly. The whole world does. They play to their audience. They know people love drama. They know if if. I guess it's just better to report on a six four black dude, three hundred pound suit wearing dude than a dude that's you know. It, it, I mean, it's obvious. It's and obvious. It, and then you got to factor in the monetary thing with because the media is about money. Absolutely. Exactly. So they about selling newspapers, selling TV selling shows, the advertising. Mm-hmm. And if you can get a you if you can get a superstar that you don't have to pay, right? That's free money. It's free money. Mm-hmm. I tell people this story. When the text message scandal happened, you know, everybody was looking for Quam. He was, you know, he had to get his shit in order. His family, he had to make sure they were straight and everything. So when he did come and finally do the speech, he did it up at Greater Emmanuel at mm-hmm. J. Juice. Mm-hmm. Why they don't show that speech? Right. Yeah, and people don't know Why that. Why they don't even make memes? You know, everything is a meme now. Right. Why they don't show that speech? Because right. he killed it. Mm-hmm. And he killed it. Mm-hmm. He was like, I mean, if if you show that speech right now, people will be like, I didn't even know. Right. right. And then Bob Berg, may he rest in peace, he was he was Coleman Young's media guy, and he was Kwame's media guy. He told me, <laughs> he said, Daniel, I'm afraid that this thing with Kwame isn't about crime and punishment no more. It's about ratings. And selling advertisement. Right. Because when they did that speech, he did a 71 Nielsen rating in the metropolitan area. Wow. Now, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Nielsen ratings. I'm, I'm, yeah. My home is a Nielsen home. Do you know what the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl does a 81 Nielsen rating? Mm-hmm. So you know what they get for the commercials and it's all sure. that. Sure, right. So yeah. you got a guy that's a public official that you don't have to pay, and he gets you a 71 mm-hmm. Nielsen rating. Mm-hmm. The advertisers don't give a fuck about the truth. Exactly. Yeah, right. They're about getting that money. money. Absolutely. And that's when I say they play to our audience, and that's why I don't go into politics, because our people are too fickle with their bullshit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, you and know me, know. I'm a speaker. Yeah, I was going to say. We don't know. We don't exactly. know. Our yeah. people don't research and don't, they and don't, don't know. Do they just jump on so, the bandwagon. Whatever you give to them, that's what they're going to ride on. Exactly. Like, yeah. Or whatever you bombard them with, right? And yeah, like they true. were yeah. bombarded yes. with co- corruption, corruption, yeah. Party B, Kirkpatrick, yeah. Ferguson, <laughs> Kirkpatrick, Manugian party, negative, 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 to the point where people was just like, "Well, they got to do something, right?" Yeah, and, uh, but right there's fire. But ain't nobody on. talking about that water in Flint. Yeah, you know, you know smoking mirrors, lead in the yeah. kids' blood. Yeah. I right. was just up in Flint for a, a birthday party, um, and stayed at the hotel. I don't, you know, I went to brush my teeth with the hotel water and I thought about it, like, oh, shit, you know, like, <laughs> right. you know, so. Wow. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, I worked to do. Um, <laughs> definitely. We yeah, definitely. really, really, really would love to have you back. I mean, I think that we have a lot more that we can actually touch on. Um, we kind of got started a little bit late today. Yeah, my, that was my fault. Oh, I no, got off work. it probably was me, um, too. Me, too. <laughs> it was all we of all us. Work, yeah. Yeah. Me, too. Don't be me, too, up here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> but I would um, love to come back, and we can go deeper, yeah, whatever so, topics y'all want to talk about. And uh, although this is our finale, and it's season two, our, our season three is um, – 
it's our our special edition um, season. So we might pop up on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We don't know. So whenever we, we got a go great show. Availability. What's yes. up with um, going on site? Y'all don't want to do Oh, no, we're working yeah, on that. We're working on that. Real quick, real quick. Okay, um, sorry, a Dub said to ask you about you and him being at Royal Grill and none of our people cared about Doug. Oh, Doug's. my God. Listen, we sitting in Royal Grill. Me and, me and my bro, we sitting in Royal Grill. They showing some stuff about this current administration. Mm-hmm. And the people in there just clean and eat. Act like ain't nothing going on. Ain't like nothing going mm-hmm. on. And see, but had, had some to, black folks on there. They oh, they'd have in. been tuned in. And, and, and a lot of that be familiarity. You know, you see somebody look like you on TV. You gonna tune in, like mm-hmm. what this what this fool done did now. And and, they, and that goes back to me saying that the media, like every time I go and let it rip. When I'm battling ML and we going back and forth, he has somebody in his ear. That thing is in his ear, and they telling him, you know. So I got to combat that. I got to remember what to say, what not to say, because I ain't got nobody in my ear. Right. So I got to sit and listen to what he say and then come with something from what he said to combat what he said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love the debate, so. I'm going to say this, and, and I agree. The one thing I will say and, which is unfortunate. We don't stick together. Yes. Right. No, we don't. So what they putting out there, we don't oversee the the media outlets or whatever. Right. They're not gonna put something else. They're not gonna put something out. To dog. They. Do- yeah. Yeah. To they, those who yeah. lack some uh some pigment. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Sure. yeah. They're you not gonna know. do it because it's normal to know. A uh, prime example is Trump. You don't see no white people coming out saying Trump. I mean, you do see the 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 talking pundit, but most of them are black. Right. When it comes to people having a problem with Trump. I've seen people argue, and dudes try to say, "Well, Trump isn't that bad. He's boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom." And I'm, I'm saying this: I expect Trump to do exactly what he's doing. I do my, too. From my dealings with dealing with older white dudes, they want something from you. Since I've been 14 years old, right. white dude done recruited me. They wanted something. It was like, could I play for them? Could, right. mm. could I carry this couch? Mm. What came up to me you know yesterday? What Whatever I can do. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> for real. My kids need to know that, though. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anybody. They want something from they you, but you got to know that. Yeah, You got to know that. Know that. This, I like that. We should end right there. don't have your best interest at heart. Say it again. That's where we going to end at. Right there. Say it again. All what? All these people don't have your best interest at heart. And that's it. And some of them got the same skin color. And look, just like How about it. that? Say it again. Thanks right. for being transparent. Okay. Right. And that is season finale, <laughs> season two finale Whoa. through the, the Nets. Nets. <laughs> it's bigger than basketball. It's way Always. bigger than basketball. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys. No, for thank me too. you for coming on. We appreciate you. It's so you. good to talk to y'all because we DJ all been Freeze doing it. You said, what up? What up? What up? <laughs>